0: Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your Hornets podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us here once again on the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. It's a Silver Linings edition. Hornets falling to the Brooklyn Nets by a final score of 132-121. to We'll break down the game. also want to talk about a recent piece that came out on ESPN, the NBA Young Point Guard Survey. Hornets have one of those. Where does LaMelo Ball stack up compared to some other young superstars at his position, at least according to that survey. Last but not least, it is a game day edition of the HHC as well. Hornets on night two of a back-to-back tonight. Hosting the Boston Celtics will get you ready for that one as well. Helping us on all of these topics. You see his work all the time on Hornets.com. Lead writer for the website, Sam Purley, with us again on a 2 Sam's edition of the HHC. Sam, thanks for joining us.
2: Thank you for having me. I feel like it's it's been a while since we've done one of these one-on-one and in studio as well. I feel like I haven't been in the studio with you in a, in a couple weeks. So uh, once again, thank you for having me. Unfortunately, it comes under silver lining circumstances, but we'll make the most of it.
0: We will indeed. It feels like uh, we're, we're turning the corner in terms of health and safety protocols that are, that are being removed slowly but surely and allowing us to do this together also means Horns are finally home for a change. Unfortunately, home court advantage did not help. Charlotte last night in a 132-121 to 121 loss to the Brooklyn Nets. My overall thoughts, as I've digested this one for a little bit now, Sam, on the one hand, Kyrie Irving won this game. He scored 50 points. He had one of the more brilliant offensive individual performances I've seen over the last two years here since joining the Hornets. I don't think you can take away from what he accomplished out there on the floor. On the other hand... I think it can be argued that Charlotte let this one get away by having a poor offensive first half of their own. So before we hear from one of the players, before we get deeper into our silver linings, which camp do you fall in? Did Kyrie Irving win this or did the Hornets lose it?
2: It wasn't necessarily the Hornets lost it. I think you just kind of contributed, you know, kind of the main talk was the bad start. You got off to a bad start, down 25, 30 points in the first half and Kyrie Irving was a big reason behind that and then you kind of went on a little bit of a comeback in the second half and Kyrie Irving was a big reason why that comeback didn't come to fruition so taking the easy way out and kind of saying both of those but I think overall the start of the game was kind of the reason you fell in too big the Hornets fell in just too big a hole and just had no margin for error really in the second half and when you have a guy that was as brilliant as Kyrie Irving was in this game it's tough to kind of come back from I think they were down 34 at one point so taking the easy way out and not really giving a definitive answer.
0: I suppose both is a a fair answer in this one. Let's hear from one of the players Hornets Terry Rozier went for 30 points the team high or tied from the team high in the loss with Miles Bridges who also had 30. Let's hear what he had to say about what went wrong last night Against the Nets, we dug ourselves a hole, and it cost us for the rest of the game. We a team that we got to fix. When we down twenty, twenty-five, that's when we kind of play at our best. We're playing against guys like Kyrie and KD. They not in control of the game, and they can score at will. So we dug ourselves in the hole. You
1: just got to move on. What about tomorrow?
0: It's a little difficult to determine who exactly had the shovel. Were the Hornets digging their own hole there with a 17% shooting performance from three in the first half, three for 17? Or was it Kyrie Irving who went for 20 of his 50 in that first half and really established the tempo and, and the offensive flow there for Brooklyn? From my mind, I, I'm kind of with you on the both, but the, the more I think about it, the more I think, despite the 50 point performance, Charlotte had opportunities in this one. It, they 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 shot 41% from three in the second half, and that's a really high percentage, but it's not something that we have never seen the Hornets shoot sustainably over the course of a game. If they had shot 41% from three in the first half out of their 17 attempts, that's four more makes. That's 12 more points in the game they lost by 11. So just evening out the shooting performance might have helped. That said, I can't deny the fact that Kyrie Irving went for 50 points, and more often than not in this league, in this era, when a superstar of that caliber scores 50, It almost doesn't matter how well the other team plays. If the guy who scores 50, his teammates run with them, they're going to run away with the game, and and Brooklyn did.
2: I think you go back to the first half, and it just kind of got away from them really quickly. I think they had a lot of good shots on the offensive side. When you get good shots and you're expecting the ball to go in, I think that kind of hanging your head factor kind of increases a little bit more and then hurts the defense, and then just the way Kyrie was able to score. I mean, just his handles and— how tight some of the coverages were and the way you can create space and isolation and just draw contact is just i mean it can it just can kind of be really really deflating for a defense because you're doing every single thing you can do to stop him and he's just so good and was so good in this game that it can be just like i said even more deflating than under kind of more normal circumstance i mean score 50 points on 19 shots into i think that is he i don't think he had more than three threes in a game this season i mean he hadn't played a of games but to have nine in this one he was 11 to 13 from the line was just truly one of those kind of tip your cap performances
0: season high performance for kyrie irving with the 50 points also by the way season high for andre drummond he went for 20 points and 14 rebounds for a double double in this one the 20 points new personal best previous one was 17 at milwaukee back in february time to hand out some silver linings for this one uh, hornets did have a really good second half and I think that's important when we talk about the Boston game later. Getting some momentum back in their favor, getting back in their flow. I think that was really important, especially on night one of a back-to-back. But you're the guest; you go first, Sam Purley. Your silver linings selection.
2: I thought Miles Bridges was really good in this game. I thought he was really aggressive, really uh, kind of a, really efficient offensive it Was 11 of 19, first 30-point game since he scored 38 at msg back on mlk day which was his season high at the time or career high i should say still his career high he's had a couple 28 29 games littered in his game log since then but first 30 point game in about six weeks so i thought he was really really good only drawback he had five turnovers but and he, he kind of admitted after the game that that's something he's got to clean up a little bit moving forward but overall yeah i thought miles was really good in this one
0: high post feed plumbly backdoor cut to bridges gives it to him He'll throw it down with the right hand time out steve nash in Brooklyn as the Hornets have found some life and some rhythm of their own. Miles Bridges now with 21. Charlotte trailing 87-62, to 623 left in the third quarter. The one thing that stands out to me from the Miles Bridges performance is the fact that he got going early in this one. He's had some games where he hasn't been as much of a focal point of the offense or maybe he hasn't been as assertive for his own shots, been willing to you know, be a cog in the machine, which is always good, and you've got so many options for the Hornets. It's, it, it's important to have guys not force things. But Miles Bridges, when everyone else was a little off in that first half, he was the one guy who was on, was able to put pressure on the defense, get downhill, get to the free throw line, sink his free throws while he was there. Ends up with 30 points, but 13 of them came in the first half. And as poorly as the Hornets played, they're probably down by 30 at halftime without Miles Bridges. So I like the selection. I'm going to go with Terry Rozier. 4.03 left to play in the third. Drogic passing 10 for him. Cut off by Lamello. Turn over to the Hornets. Rozier, the trailer, fires the wing three. Yes, sir. Terry Rozier fourth three of the contest. Terry Rozier just had a magical third quarter. He got the team back in the game. He had 14 points in that third frame, sunk three threes in it, ends the game with five made threes, putting them two away from the mark- held last year for a full season by Devontae Graham, which will be the ninth most uh, voluminous three-point shooting season in Hornets history. He's going to continue to climb that chart. But he continues to play really well. And uh, we we talked about this on an earlier podcast, not with you, Sam Purley, but uh, it's worth getting your take on this. Last season, a lot was made about the performance that Miles Bridges had in the post All-Star break portion of the season. Specifically when Gordon Hayward went down, he stepped into a starting role, really saw his numbers accelerate and was kind of a precursor to this year where he's been in the discussion for most improved player, was in the discussion for an All-Star nod, really took that jump at the tail end of last season and used that momentum into this one. I think you can argue the same thing is happening right now for Terry Rozier. I don't have all the numbers here post-All-Star break, but suffice it to say since he went for 30 in last night's game and he was averaging 26 points per game since the All-Star break going into it, that the numbers are increasing heading in the right direction. He shot last night from beyond the arc 5 of 11. Overall, since the All-Star break, he's shooting right around 50% from three. I don't know that all of these numbers are sustainable. I don't know that he's going to end up averaging 28 points per game, and that's going to be the springboard into averaging that again next season for a full season. But if he's following the Miles Bridges trend line, he easily could be. This could be the the precursor to maybe next year, Terry Rozier being an All-Star.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I actually have the numbers because now they've been updated by the NBA since the game ended. Since the All-Star break in six games... I believe now almost 27 points 53% shooting 52% from three on eight over eight attempts a game 96% from the line as well five and a half rebounds six assists and almost two steals so yeah I really like that that thought you know he's been really really good especially in the third quarters these last couple games you mentioned the third quarter last night against the Nets I think he had 16 against the Spurs the other day and really kind of kept the Hornets in it when they went dry prevented the Spurs from kind of pulling away so he's found another gear after halftime particularly and, and found another gear I guess over overall in these last six games for the All-Star break and the team is really needed as they continue to weather this Gordon Hayward absence.
0: For the record, he was the first one to bring up the free throw, so when he misses one later on, Sam Purley is the jinx, not Sam Farber. Terry Rozier is 21 for 22 from the charity stripe since the All-Star break. Alright, that puts a bow on last night's loss to the Brooklyn Nets. Hornets fall in a matchup that would have that was determinative of who would hold 8th place coming into today in the Eastern Conference. Belongs to Brooklyn for now with a record of 33-33. and 33. Hornets it's a game back at 32 and 34. But an opportunity to get a win here tonight against Boston. We'll preview that one for you in just a moment. Coming up next, though, a NBA young point guard survey looking at 15 league scouts and executives ranking some of the brightest young point guard stars, including LaMelo Ball. How did he stack up against some of his contemporaries? We'll talk about that next here on the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Centa. I'm not anti-aging. I'm pro-looking my best. Getting cosmetic surgery at Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates has me looking young again and filled with the confidence I need
1: to take on the day. From Botox to rhinoplasty to facelifts, Senta offers facial plastic surgery from specially trained eye and ENT doctors who are familiar with how all parts of the face work. Feel like you once did. Schedule your appointment today at ceenta.com appointments. Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates. It just makes sense.
0: Cross court pass intercepted. Lamelo ball the takeaway. He'll glide and throw down the two-handed Dr Pepper dunk. Timeout Brooklyn. That's 17 now for Lamelo Ball who read that pass and easily took it the other way for the slam. LaMelo Ball, another strong performance last night against Brooklyn. Does come in a loss, but he posted 24 points, 5 rebounds, 7 assists. He continues to fill up the stat line night after night after night. Unfortunately, again, it did come in a loss, but on a day where we saw some more news about LaMelo Ball, and we'll talk about it here with Sam Perley of Hornets.com. I'm Sam Farber, radio play-by-play broadcaster for your Charlotte Hornets. This is the Hornet Timecast brought to you you by Senta. So, Sam Perley, ESPN, apparently reached out to 15 NBA scouts and executives and asked them to rank six star point guards who are still on their rookie deals. Now, the youngest of this group and the one, the earliest of his rookie deal is indeed LaMelo Ball. The other names for you, Luka Doncic, who technically, I think, is still on his rookie deal, although that extension is already signed in and he will be on it starting next season. You've got John Morant of the Memphis Grizzlies, Trey Young of Atlanta, Shea Gilgis Alexander of Oklahoma City, who the Hornets are going to see in a couple of days here, and then Darius Garland, named an All-Star this year for the first time of the Cleveland Cavaliers. First off, really good group to be a part of. No shame being sixth on this list, but Lamelo Ball is far from that. Seemed like most of the votes kind of plug people into. Their spot in the standings. Luka Doncic was overwhelmingly the number one pick, no pick further down than second. John Morant was overwhelmingly number two. Trey Young was overwhelmingly number three. And LaMelo Ball was overwhelmingly number four. Shea Gilgis Alexander, five. Darius Garland, six. So, Sometimes when you see these polls, you see a little bit of a blend. You see, oh, it was a close call, and -and so-and-so got a first-place vote, and the other one got a sixth-place vote, and that's why it ended up that way. This time, the spot each player was in this young point guard survey, that's the one they had the most amount of votes for in the hierarchy. So Doncic finished first. He had the most first-place votes. Morant second, Young third, Ball fourth. So your thoughts on this survey and LaMelo Ball being put behind Doncic, Morant, and Young, or you could look at it as ahead of SGA and Darius Garland.
2: Yeah, I I really like kind of seeing these things sometimes, these polls, because we have one perspective here in Charlotte, how we kind of see our guys, and to see kind of around the league how other people and other teams and other organizations view your guys. It's always interesting to get different perspectives about not only where your guys stand, but other guys stand around the league as well, and I think when you look at this sixth, I think we're all going to be bias and we think LaMelo should be number 1 but you know you factor in I think he's in terms of experience I think he's the youngest of the group donch is in his 4th season Morant third Young is in his 4th Alexander is in his 3rd I think 3rd or 4th and um and Darius Garland I think was in is in his 3rd so Obviously, experience-wise, he's on the lower end or the lowest end. Age-wise, he's certainly on the lowest end. So I think when you factor in those things to still kind of be to be included in a poll like this, given everything that's happened, he still you know hasn't yet to play a full NBA season. Just in his second year, 20 years old already an All Star. I think you know I don't think this is anything to get super upset about. I think when you run this poll again in another year or two, he's going to be right at the top. And there's going to be a whole new other wave of young point guards coming in the league too. So I think we're going to be biased. We want him at the top, but overall uh, interesting, kind of kind of right. By Uh, Where I think I personally expected, given who else is, is in this group,
0: I think one thing that stands out about this group, the guys at the very top are franchise players for teams that have taken the step to being normalized playoff teams. Led by Luka Doncic, he has been in the playoffs now for for a couple years. Hasn't advanced in them yet, but he has been able to lead Dallas to being a consistent playoff team at this young stage of his career. John Morant made it in last year through the play-in tournament. Trey Young made it in last year as a a breakthrough season. So it kind of makes sense that those guys are the next two on the list. Question's going to be for Trey Young. Can he sustain this? Can he he make himself and the Hawks a normal playoff team, or will that be held against him? And can LaMelo Ball kind of assume that spot? Because he's basically doing now what Trey Young did a year ago. That's be a featured player on a team that has playoff aspirations. Charlotte's uh, hopes took a little bit of a hit last night. A play-in tournament is a little more difficult to get through if you're in the ninth position versus the eighth, but there's still plenty of time for Charlotte here. But I think it's interesting where LaMelo Ball sits, and I think when you look at these individual players, all of them have their highlights and why they you know are so great individually. But I truly think the reason Doncic is at the head and Morant's number two and Trey Young is number three is because of what they've shown they can do taking a team to the postseason.
2: Yeah, I think that plays a huge role as well, and I think age, and that just a lot of that comes with age and experience and perception. I think when you when you go in and and like Luka Doncic and and some of the playoff games he's had, I know he hasn't advanced, but the performance he's had, I think he's played the Clippers last two years in the first round, both series, but it's the Clippers, buzzer beaters, things like that. I mean, I think that that kind of perception, you know, that's what it's about. That's where you make that next jump. It's you know, young guy, you can put up as many big games and stats and numbers in the regular season, but it's a big stepping stone. And I guess when you get into the playoffs and start playing like really, really high-intensity basketball, particularly at the point guard position. Point guard, it's you're the one that's making the plays and, and kind of leading everything. You know, it, it's a big, big spotlight. We saw Trey Young certainly take that that jump last year. Probably expect to see John Morant really take this spot. And Dallas is playing really well right now. They look to be kind of a contender to win a first-round series. So hopefully Lamelo Ball can kind of be in that category in the sense of you know getting into the playoffs and, and kind of leading the team and getting into that next step. Hopefully in the near future. But yeah, I think that's what kind of. Sense separates those three at all. Is they've, they've played not only in the postseason, but they've had big performances in the postseason and, and you know really carried their teams to that point.
0: I will end this segment where we started it Being on this list in and of itself, that's an accomplishment. Every one of these guys is an all star caliber player. Whether they've made an all star team or not is irrelevant. They're all all star caliber players. They're all franchise leaders. No shame being fourth on this list right now, but I'm with you, Sam Perley. I think if we look at this list again, the same group of six players, and we uh, quote unquote redrafted in two years, I think LaMelo Ball would be higher than fourth behind Luka Doncic, John Morant, and Trey Young. All right, it is a game day edition of the HHC. Hornets take. taking on the Celtics tonight, trying to bounce back from a loss to Brooklyn. We will preview it for you next here on the Hornets Hivecast.
1: Hornets fans, make sure you download the Hornets app this season for an enhanced game day experience. The Hornets app is your home for the game day digital program with all the information on your favorite team and giveaways every game day. You'll also find predictive games, mobile food ordering, and even a wallet for your NFTs. Download the Hornets app today. Sam Farber,
0: Sam Purley, a two-Sams edition of the Hornets Hivecast here for you. Brought to you by Senta, Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Hornets trying to bounce back from the 132-121 to 121 loss to Brooklyn last night, taking on a really good Boston team that's really playing some good basketball. At the moment, Uh, Celtics, uh, they just got done beating the same Brooklyn team that bested the Hornets the other day. They have won three in a row, eight of their last 10. Their only loss since the All-Star break was night two of a back-to-back, adverse circumstances for them for sure. And this time it's the Hornets who are on night two of a back-to-back. But generally speaking, Sam, I'm optimistic because I think the Hornets had such a strong second half, even with Kyrie Irving going for 30 in that 24-minute segment, Charlotte Outscored by a pretty wide margin, 15 points, the Brooklyn Nets in the second half. I think that's a lot of momentum for Team Teal going into tonight.
2: Yeah, 70 points. I mean, that's how much of that is Brooklyn kind of taking the foot off the gas, maybe a little bit, but the, the Hornets certainly hit shots in the second half. You I mean, scored almost 80 points. That's you know, even if there is you know, the game's kind of out of hand, that's that's certainly really impressive. And I think it's interesting playing Brooklyn, and obviously you have talked about Kyrie and and Durant it's like kind of the two main offensive guys you are playing Boston has a similar structure there's two guys right at the top it's Jason Tatum and it's Jalen Brown there's kind of a little bit of drop off in terms of that third scoring option but I think it's something they can kind of utilize a little bit getting a little bit of a taste of basing a team that has two really really high profile talented offensive threats at the top in back-to-back games. I'd like to hope that there's some sort of, uh, you can kind of use that familiarity and a little bit of exposure and take what happened last night and apply it tonight on the defensive end.
0: I'm really of the opinion that the way that the Hornets were playing coming into this one is a boost. But as you mentioned, the similarity in styles, not lost on one of the players. Miles Bridges talked about how last night's game against Brooklyn prepares them for a matchup against similarly structured Boston team.
2: I
1: mean, it's great. You know, Katie and Kyrie, they, they've been doing this for a long time now, since I've been in, in middle school, high school. So it definitely helps you get ready for other teams that have similar play styles. You know, Jason Tatum, he he ISOs a lot. Jalen Brown on that team. So that game today you could say it got it, it get, it get us ready for the game tomorrow.
0: Well, let's get you ready for the game here today now for uh, Hornets taking on the Boston Celtics. Tickets are, of course, available at Hornets.com. Sam Perley, we need a player to watch for each team as well as a stat to watch. You're the guest. You get to select first.
2: Well, there's a lot of options here. Uh, I'm going to go with Miles Bridges. We just heard him talk coming off the 30 point game last night against the Nets. He had first three games against Boston this season. He had 25-22 and then just six the last time they played the Celtics. So hopefully he can kind of finish off the season series against boston with another big performance um and again i just loved like you mentioned uh really aggressive in that first half i mean he kind of kept the hornets i wouldn't say necessarily in it but uh, I think it could have been a lot worse if he wasn't nearly as aggressive in that opening half of the 13 points uh, through the first two quarters. So I like Miles to kind of keep the momentum going tonight.
0: I'm going to go with Lamelo Ball. We just talked about him in that young point guard survey from ESPN. He's had some really strong individual performances against Boston this year. That that 38 point game that he posted in a loss a little bit earlier in Boston. Uh, that that was just a brilliant, brilliant offensive day. 12 of 24 from the floor, knocked down four threes, 10 of 13 from the line, but I think this is really about him playing quote unquote winning basketball and making plays for others first. The win that the Hornets got against Boston, LaMelo Ball went for a triple-double, 15 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists. I'm not saying he needs to have a triple-double for the Hornets to beat Boston, but I think he needs to be high on that distributor list. Got to try and speed Boston up, get them out of their comfort zone, and all along the ways continue to look for others. If he does that, I think he can easily lead the Hornets to a victory here in a season split against a very good Boston team. So I'm going with LaMelo Ball as my player to watch for this one. Where do you want to go next, a stat to watch or a Celtic to watch?
2: I'll go Celtic to watch and uh pretty straightforward Jason Tatum, reigning Eastern Conference Player of the Week, is coming off a 54 point performance against the same Nets the Hornets saw last night on Sunday afternoon at home. Last two games against the Hornets, he has scored just 31 combined points on 31% shooting. He's one of 14 from three during that stretch. However, he did, last time the Celtics were here back on October 25th, he did have 41 points in an overtime win. So hopefully they get more of the previous two meetings against Jason Tatum and less of the first meeting. But he's been spectacular this season, really. Really really good, really, really good isolation score, and much like Kyrie Irving, he's just one of those guys that you can throw everything at him sometimes. He's just going to find a way to score, and he really did that the last time he was on the floor against the Nets.
0: Hard to argue with it, but i got to go in a different direction, so I'm going to go with Jalen Brown. I I think Jason Tatum, yeah, he went for 54 points, and that went over Brooklyn. It was also a six-point game. It was not that dominant of a victory. You look across the way, Kevin Durant had not quite as good, but a really strong game with 37 points. The difference was Brooklyn didn't have a second guy step up and score 20 points, and Austin did, and that person was Jalen Brown. He's had a really solid season all along the way. You look back to that 41 point performance that Jason Tatum had in that overtime win over Charlotte, and yeah, that was big, but They also had Jalen Brown go for 30 in that one, so they're somewhat tied together. My stat of the game is going to focus on that as well, but Jalen Brown's my guy to watch. And Again, it's the nature of teams like Boston and Brooklyn. While they do have good, solid supporting cast who can hurt you, one of the Hornets' losses came in a game where neither of those two superstars played particularly well, but the bench did. But more often than not, they're going to be led by one of those two superstars, so you taking one means i got to take the other. Last but not least, stat to watch.
2: Yeah, the stat I'm going to be focusing on is defensive rating. Since January 23rd, the Celtics are 16-3 and and number 1 in the NBA in defense. They have a defensive rating of 101.4 in their last 19 games. Next closest team is 106.9. It's the Miami Heat, their second. So to have over a five-point difference in defensive rating between the first and second-best teams in the league for about a six-week stretch is, is pretty big. I think much like last night against the Nets, the Hornets, have got to find a way to get the offense going early. Don't let it dictate the defense uh, because... because... Because the defense is going to be really good on Boston's side. You can't let anything kind of carry over because they're going to make you work for shots. When you get open shots, you got to hit them. And if you don't hit them don't let it carry over to the other end because otherwise you're going to fall into a situation like they were against Brooklyn.
0: My stat to watch here is to force Boston to be more of a balanced team, prevent the Stars from having those starring nights. Now, to a certain extent, you can't always control that. Kyrie Irving at certain times was better defended than others last night, but his 50 points was based off the fact that he was on his game. He had a 50 point performance because of how well he played. Not so much anything the Hornets uh, didn't do well enough or could Have done better. So, similarly, you know, slowing down a Jason Tatum, slowing down a Jalen Brown is as much dependent on how well they're playing as how well you are defensively. But that said, Boston's record is about six games above 500 when one of those two stars goes for 25 or more. They're a sub-500 team when neither of them gets to the 25-point plateau. So I think it's about putting pressure on Tatum and Brown, and even though the Hornets have been burnt with this strategy once before, I'm content to roll the dice saying, hey, Marcus Smart, you're going to get 15 looks tonight, see if you can beat us. Richardson, you're going to get 15 looks tonight, see if you can beat us. I'm willing to roll the dice with those kinds of options and try and get the ball continually out of a Tatum's hands, out of a Brown's hands. I think for the most part, you look through the last few weeks here for Boston, and while the two times that they've lost have both been night two of a back-to-back, it has also more often than not coincided with no one going for more than 25. So keep the star under 25 points. I like the Hornets' chances in this
2: yeah I like that too and I think if I can remember right two at the they had one to the Pistons they had one to the Pacers during this stretch and I think those other teams just really kind of got going offensively and it was tough to I think they probably did I don't have the box scores right in front of me but I think they did a really good job like you said just kind of keeping everything at bay I mean it's kind of just an interesting you talk about you know kind of coming off this Nets game you know what do you do do you want a guy to you have one guy beach and you take the ball out of everyone else's hands because it's crazy with this Kyrie thing I mean he had 50 points and you look at Kevin Durant he only had 14 I mean when you go into this game you say, we're going to hold Kevin Durant to 14 points, Seth Curry to 9. Bench is going to score about 20 or so. I think you would like those chances. And then it's, oh yeah, by the way, Kyrie's going to have 50 on 19 shots. It's tough because they're, they're so good and, and they're such an elite. You have know, two just amazing elite of scorers just like the Celtics team. So it's going to be really interesting to see how the Hornets adjust to a kind of similar offensive playing style tonight uh, in this back-to-back
0: And the last thing I'd throw in is just as it could be easily assumed that a Jason Tatum or a Jalen Brown can and would win this game if they go for 40 or 50 points, Same is true for the Hornets. Terry Rozier has played brilliant basketball the last couple of weeks here. If he goes for 40 or 50, he's capable of winning this game just as much as Tatum could tonight or as Kyrie Irving did last night. So we'll see if the Hornets can get a hot hand and get a W, a much-needed one, against the Boston Celtics. Tip time is set for 7 p.m., and we look forward to bringing it to you on the Hornets Radio Network. You can also tune in on Valley Sports Southeast. The great Eric Collins, Del Curry, and Ashley Shamidi will have all the action for you and when it's all said and done you can read the write-up on hornets.com sam pearly will certainly be hard at work and have the the latest and greatest for you available on hornets.com sam thanks as always for joining us here on this latest and greatest edition of the hornets hivecast
2: thank you for having me
0: thanks to our producer rob longo as well most of all to all of you for tuning in for everyone here i'm sam farber saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you along and we'll talk to you tomorrow right here on the hornets hivecast